be reading this morning. It'll be from Psalms 100. Psalms 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thank you, Brent. Good morning, church. I want to thank Logan and Nolan and others for leading us this morning in our worship as well. I want to encourage you to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Mankind has forever wondered many things in life. Things like, who am I? Things like, where do I come from? Things like, why am I here and where am I going? But there are other questions in the heart of man that exist around the idea of worship. Things like, what is worship? Who deserves worship? Where should we worship? And how should we worship? God has always given us the answers to these questions. For example, in the temptation of Jesus, found in Luke chapter 4, also other places... Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And God reveals something about worship. Notice what the Bible says. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me... All will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Though God has revealed the answers to these questions and many others, people still are wondering about worship. They keep asking either with their lips or in their mind, and God continues to reveal the answers to these questions. In our text today, there's another one of those places where God gives answers and gives revelation about questions pertaining to worship. Now I want you to notice the circumstances behind this event here in John chapter 4. The story is a well-known story about when Jesus meets this woman at the well. 
remember that John revealed to us that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. It was a route that many Jews avoided if at all possible. They would take the longer route by crossing the Jordan River down on the southern end of Judea. And going up the... uh, That would be the eastern side. The eastern side of the Jordan River up to the northern part of this area to Galilee, crossing over back over the Jordan River into the area of Galilee, all to bypass Samaria. But not Jesus. Jesus, you see, took the shorter route and went through Samaria. Now remember, the Jews and the Samaritans, they did not like each other at all. Jews despised Samaritans because after the Assyrian captivity, they intermarried with the people that were brought into the land. But the Samaritans despised the Jews because they refused their help of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. When Jesus and his disciples get to Samaria, up in that northern region, they come to a city called Sychar. The disciples, the Bible tells us, go into the city to buy food. The Bible tells us that Jesus was weary from his journey, and so he sat down at a well, and it happened to be Jacob's well. Now that goes back to Genesis 33, when after returning from Canaan, Jacob camped outside of Shechem. Shechem is in this area, and he purchased the land from the sons of Hamar. Prior to his death, Jacob then turns over this land to his son Joseph, Genesis 48. Before Joseph died in Egypt, he made the Israelites promise to take his bones out of Egypt, Exodus 13. And after the conquest of Canaan, they buried his bones at Shechem, Joshua chapter 24. Sychar is thought to mean the town of the sepulcher, likely because the tomb of Joseph was here. And it's here at Jacob's well in the area of Samaria, Shechem, and the city of Sychar with Mount Gerizim off in the distance that Jesus meets this woman at the well. She comes to draw water and Jesus is there. And they have this conversation about the water in the well and this being Jacob's well. And then Jesus tells her about living water that only Jesus himself could provide. And her response to that conversation was marvelous for she said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And it's in the midst of this wonderful statement that Jesus gets to the heart of her problem when he asked her to go call her husband. For you see, Jesus knew that she had had five husbands and the man that she was living with now was not her husband. You see, Jesus, Messiah, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, He knew what was going on in her life. And He knows what's going on in our lives as well. At this point she begins to realize there's something more to this gentleman. He is more than just a Jewish man who has come asking for a drink of water. And so Jesus then 
gives her the revelation of true worship. It's the backdrop of this scene that Jesus or this woman comes face to face to who she really is. She's a broken down sinner in need of healing through Messiah. So she inquires to Jesus about the true place of worship to God. You see, this was another point of contention between the Jews and the Samaritans. They both believed that under the Old Covenant, God directed His people to worship in a specific location. Deuteronomy chapter 12, Deuteronomy chapter 16, and Deuteronomy chapter 26. The Samaritans, though, they only accepted the Pentateuch. The first five books of Scripture in which many record that they had corrupted it by changing it many times. So the Samaritans, they chose the nearby mountain of Mount Gerizim to build their temple on, to house their place of worship. It's interesting that Abraham first also built an altar to God here, Genesis chapter 12. But the Jews, meanwhile, they had the, the complete Old Covenant books. And so they knew. Therefore, knowing the complete will of God, they knew that God had chosen Jerusalem to be the place in which He was to be worshipped. And so Jesus lets her know that it's no longer going to be about the place, neither in this mountain, Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem. You see, they both will become obsolete. And Jesus tells her about true worship. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. What a powerful revelation to this woman. But what a powerful revelation even to you and I today that God, Emmanuel, Yahweh, Jehovah is seeking true worshipers. But what is He seeking? What is He expecting in true worshipers? Jesus said He's expecting and He's seeking those who will worship in spirit and in truth. But what does that mean for you and I? You see, in spirit gets to the very nature of God. As in God is light, 1 John 1 and verse 5. As in God is love, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. So, some translations in this text capitalize the word spirit. But it's not so in the original Greek. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. Rather, as a spirit, God is not material. He is not confined to time and space. He is not some impersonal force. He is a personal being. Dr. David Leip said it this way, God cannot be approached on a mere physical level. Worship is not just about acts of worship. 
Worship of God is not just offering sacrifices and tithes or observing ceremonial practices. On the contrary, there is a connection between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the worshipers, which entails thinking as well as the attitude and emotion of the worshiper. You see, the Jewish worship was by the letter, not by the Spirit. The Samaritans' worship was of falsehood and not of truth. You see, true worship is spiritual and not just physical. It is inward, not outward, but still directed to God. Jesus said, true worshipers must worship God the Father in spirit and in truth. You see, truth gets to the very expectations of God. The Father has never commanded His people to do something without giving them directions, clear directions on what to do. And worship is no different. God seeks those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. The way that He has revealed to His people in His Holy Word. Jesus said... The Samaritan woman was worshiping what she did not know. In other words, Jesus, according to Jesus, her worship was ignorant. You see, the Samaritans sought to honor and worship Yahweh. But because they had failed to accept all of the old covenant and even changed what they had, their worship was ignorant because they didn't understand the directives of the Almighty. Warren Wearsby said this, that this woman did not know whom to worship, where to worship, or how to worship. Jesus made it clear that all religions are not equally acceptable before God. That some worshipers act in ignorance and unbelief. Worship that is done in truth must be done in harmony with what God has revealed to us in His Holy Word. So Jesus lets us know what the appeal for our worship is. And what is that? What does all of this mean for me and you? It means that our worship should be from the heart, not simply by external actions. As Christians, according to Scripture, we are priests. And therefore, as priests of God, we bring and we offer up spiritual sacrifices to God because we both love Him and adore Him. Paul said it this way, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Because God is so merciful that you then present your bodies a living sacrifice. Both as the church comes together and as we live our daily lives. Holy. The Bible says, you be holy for I am holy. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or reasonable act of service, some versions say. And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, we do this when we offer our heart in worship 
to the Almighty. You see, what we have to remember, church, what we have to set as an example for others is worship is not about me. It's about God. The psalmist wrote, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So how would God have His people carry out their heartfelt worship as they assemble together for worship? To follow that example of the New Testament church as it was their custom to meet on the first day of the week to worship. According to Acts chapter 20, 19 through 29. The things that the first century church, the acts that they had in their worship, the communion was observed. We call it the Lord's Supper, Acts 20 and verse 7. Prayers were offered up, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 15 and 16. Songs were sung to glory to the glory of God, Ephesians 5.19. Collection was taken for the work of the ministry of the church, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. The scriptures were read, Colossians 4 and verse 16. And the word of God was proclaimed, Acts 20 and verse 7. You see, true worship also includes what is true about God. What we think about God is of great importance. A.W. Tozer once said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He is our Creator. He is the Father of mercies. He is the one who parted the Red Sea and allowed His children to walk through on dry land. He is the one who built the kingdom of Israel. His own special people. In order that He might provide and be the Savior of His people through Jesus the Messiah. He is the one that has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. So what comes to mind when you think about God? You see, the answers to that question... not only reflect our worship, but it reflects our living. Every failure to worship doctrine or practice can be traced back to wrong thoughts about God. Cain had a distorted view of God and as a result it affected his worship to God which was not acceptable and it affected his life. See, God's not just some cosmic old man in the, in the sky. Nor is He our buddy who we worship to serve and get what we want. 
True worship calls for us to worship with all of our heart the true and living God in accordance with what He has revealed to us in His Holy Word. We must remember worship is not about how moving the preacher is or isn't. Or how moving the song service is or isn't. Now that's not to let those who lead worship off the hook because their role is important too and they should take it as important. It's not about a location. It's not about beautiful buildings and the best and latest programs. But it's about me offering God my worship in true passion and love for who God really is and what He has done for me. Worship is about realizing who I am. I'm simply the creature that's been created. Worship is about realizing who God is. He is the creator of the universe and the one who has given eternal life of salvation through Jesus Christ. When we have that in perspective, the song that Logan led to us in the start of our worship, will carry great meaning to us. O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds Thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades, I wonder, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, and when I think that God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Someone asked, what is worship? The answer came, it is living in response to God. God the Father seeks true worshipers. And we're all left with the challenging and sobering question, am I a true worshiper or a false worshiper? 
You see, it depends on if my goal is to worship God in spirit with everything that I have and in truth according to His holy word. This is a topic that may puzzle a lot of people. But for those who want to be true worshipers, it's revealed over and over again in God's holy word. What is our attitude in worship today and every day of our life? Because it all matters. Do I live and do I worship in response of who God is and what He's done for me? Today, it's our prayer that if you're not a part of the body of Christ, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God? This woman that Jesus met at the well, though she was a Samaritan, she knew about Messiah. And she claimed to Jesus, Messiah has come and He will tell us all these answers, all these things. Messiah has come and He became our sacrificial lamb on the cross. His body hung there. His blood shed that we have commemorated this morning and remembered. Do you believe that? If you believe that, have you surrendered to what God has done for you by giving your life back to Him? The ultimate show of that is surrender and death. Death in the watery grave of baptism because you believe. Because you want to live for Him. Because you are moved by what God has done for you. Or maybe it is you're here today and you just need the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ to lift you to the throne of Yahweh for help because He has promised I will never leave you nor forsake you. If we can help you this morning in any way, come forward and let us assist you any way we can as together we stand and sing. On bended knee I come With a humble heart I come Bowing down before your holy throne